the exclusivity of the gospel. So when I say that, you know what I mean. The exclusivity of the gospel. That, that means that you only have the gospel if you live in Concord, Massachusetts, the historic site of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Well, actually, Paul was captured in Lexington, so never got here, even though uh, Longfellow said he got here at two by a bridge, but no, didn't happen. But anyhow, um, um, what, do, what do we mean by the exclusivity of the gospel? Someone help me. Help us. What is the exclusivity of the gospel? Oh, Kathy, thou raiser of hand. Thank you. Okay, there is only one gospel, uh, I guess. Yes, that, that would be a broad definition of it. But we're, we're, and I did, and you did mention gospel, so, but, but we want to get further than that. But that, you're on the way. Okay. Yes, Dana. Okay, yeah, in, 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 in one sense, there are the elect and, and, and those who don't trust Christ. Yes, you're, we're still out on the outer, outer rims of the exclusivity of the gospel. Mike. Ah, now you've really been intolerant, haven't you? My, oh my, you've turned a corner. You're not talking so broadly and generically now, are you? What did you say, Mike? Yes, that um, there is only one way to get to heaven. Right? It's exclusive in the sense that there is... It excludes all other ways. Not that it's the message isn't open to all men. The message of the gospel goes, we're called to take it everywhere. To every man and woman, every tribe and nation. Right? So it's not exclusive in that way. In that way, the Great Commission tells us to go everywhere. There's the universal call of the gospel. Right? But the message, the gospel, the good news, is limited. <laughs> it doesn't sound very. But it only through Christ. Now, Mike, when did you make up this bigoted? Um, and uh, uh, this bigoted doctrine. Yes. Yes. Well, how did you get this bigoted, narrow-minded? Uh, uh, thinking in your head. Oh, okay, so so Christians, we just want to keep it to ourselves, and we think, how do we how do we know that you know the world would say that God is on a mountain, right? And we're all on our separate paths through the mountain. Some people go straight up, some people go around, some people zigzag back and forth in the mountain trails. 
you know, but we're all trying to get to the same God. And uh, and so we're all huffing and puffing to get our way up there. And uh, some go this way and some go that way, but we're all on the same path. But, but what are you saying about the path? And actually, um, one of the reasons that even that kind of thinking is wrong for us, okay, to say that there is only one path up and it's Christianity, is because what's true about us in getting to God? He's chosen us, yes. Raise your hands because there's more than, okay, thank you. Yes! You see, the whole part that we're saying is we're dead in our sins. Right? And all of our trying to get up the mountain, it's like me trying to do a pull-up. You know, I can... <laughs> I can sit there, I'll never do a pull-up anymore, probably. You know, I might, I might, you know, really get into shape again and do a pull-up someday, but most likely not. And spiritually, we're saying there is no way to pull ourselves up the mountain. We're even saying... That you can't get up the mountain. You can't get to Mohammed. It's a wrong analogy. But Christ comes to us. We can't. We're dead in our sins. Right? And so if we have to get up a mountain to get to God, and by being perfect or being righteous, we're not even going to do it. Right? So even that part of the analogy doesn't help. Okay, but Mike has this... uh, narrow and bigoted view that's what the world would say right but how did you get that view Mike (laughs) okay so through the Veda and uh um, the teaching of Muhammad. And what scriptures? What holy scriptures? Everybody says this. Okay, thank you. Yeah, the 66 books of the Bible, which we call the Old Testament. Right? Now, is Mike the only one that holds this narrow and bigoted view in this room? Yes. that, Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, what about us? Why? We're dead, spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, right? We don't even want to go. We have, before we can even hear the call, we have to be made alive, right? So, well, where? I mean, if you're are going to be gospelizing people. And and remember, because you're going to be, I trust, telling people about the joy of the gospel and being saved in Christ, they're going to say what? Well, that's nice to hear it's good for you. Right? 
Where's your, where's your authority? Where, where, where do you know that that's true? Now, Mike has said, well, the Bible, right? Okay. <laughs> Prove it to me, Mike. Where? Boy, Mike, he's so gracious to start off this stuff, and then I start hammering him every week, you know. It's amazing you come back. I'm so glad, Mike. But, but we're talking faith and gift, but, but you, have that, you have that knowledge by faith through the scriptures. Where? Where in the scriptures do we find out that, that there is no other way up the mountain and that the mountain comes to us, Christ comes to us? Well, <laughs> Stop, Mike. I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to free you for right now. Okay. Some someone other. Uh, I think back here you get this. Tim. Wait a minute. Where do you say it? <laughs> Let's turn together to John. Let's turn to John, chapter fourteen. One of the things we're going we're gonna to find out through the length of this class, I think, is that I would say today, uh, 98% of the time, the old four spiritual laws, evangelism explosion, having this little gospel Roman road, isn't going to work today. There used to be a memory in our culture and a conviction just that there was a God, that there is sin. And we're in a whole new time in our culture that we have to even talk and define those kind of things. When we t- even talk in those categories, people don't understand. And so it's really... You know, I know there's some people who are waiting, and we're going to have a sense, we're going to have the gospel, and we're going to understand where it is in the scriptures, and we're going to understand some of those things, but, but, but it's, the gospelizing comes through relationships, through talking about things without using the old religious cliches, they're not going to help us. But we want to find out about the gospel first, so that we can tell it to others and all the rest, and, uh, and scripture helps us, but we have to understand that even... That most people would say, well, okay, yeah, but um, uh, um, that's your way. But we have to be convinced that it is the only way, right? Or if there are other ways, then why don't we just let everybody go their own way, right? Why bother, right? So we have to be absolutely convinced that there, that there is no other way. So let's go to John 14, 6 first. Okay, since uh, Tim brought that up, and we just jogged his memory a little bit to get us there. Jesus said, as he is uh, talking here um, to his disciples and, uh, and Thomas in particular, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
is, is there, you see any wiggle room there? That's one of the things that killed Jesus. That he would be <laughs> the only way that's after, but that he, he would say to other people, there isn't any other way. And he's saying, it's the only way to get to the Father is through me. He's claiming to be God here also. There's a lot of things in him, but he, but he, people hate exclusivity. Okay, so there's one verse in the Bible. Oh, you're going to come up with another one, Tim? Okay, let's try Acts 4, 11, and 12. Peter here preaches, and as he's preaching, it says, Acts 4, 11, 12, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And he's talking here about um, uh, the religion of Judaism and all that they were building uh, their faith on and all the rest. And he said, you go back there, and Jesus really was the one talked about and all the rest. And then verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Once again, the preaching of the, of the New Testament church here, the Apostle Peter says, there is no other way, no other name. So there's two places in the scriptures that would tell us that, that Jesus is the only way. Well, out of 66 books, two little places, is that? Yeah, Okay, well, let's go to John 3. Ah, yeah, you remember John 3. What, what verse is in John 3 we all know? John 3.16, right? And, uh, but he's not taking us there. He's taking us to the last verse of the book of John. John 3 and 36. Is that right? Okay, let's turn to John 3 and 36. Whoever believes in the Son, and of course we know that to be Jesus Christ, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Ooh, you really have to go with that? <laughs> that's not so good when people say, well, that's your way and it's nice, but I have my way. And then our response is what? I mean, we don't usually just go out and... But, but our real response is John 3.36, right? That, that in our relationship with other people, we have to say, no, no, no. There, there is no other way that can lead you there. Right? Because what happens if they take another way? What does the scripture tell us there? What's it say? That's absolutely true. He's right. But what's it say particularly? If they take another path. Yeah. You see, the problem with us being sinners is we've broken God's eternal law and commandments. We're under his judgment. And unless we trust in Christ and his finished work, there is no other way. You see, and, and, and part of the problem that gets Christians into trouble 
with the world is we say, uh-uh, no. Now we, we don't say, no. There is no And we're called then, what are we called in such a world? In intolerance. There's tolerance for every view, except for you to be so proudful and vain to say you have your own way. Uh-huh. We wouldn't probably say that on our own. <laughs> We'd say, yeah, you say tomato, I say tomato. You say potato, I say potato. Okay, let's all be friends. But if we love people, right, we, we need to understand that if they're going another way, there is no salvation. Right? Mike? you say a template yeah he was in the temple at mars hill so i was i just being careful now it actually actually is because there were these people who believed all these different ways just don't be exclusive right and but he he came and got to know what they believed and all that but said there was an exclusive way and he argued with them and talked with them and and all the rest yeah and i think that's more where we are today um, i think it very it isn't a template i think we'll come back to it i think it is instructive for us and how to get there are there other places in the scripture where we get to the exclusivity of the gospel that Jesus is indeed the only way? Yes. Okay. And does it have a verse? Okay. Let us get there. Deuteronomy 18. Starting in verse 15. All right. Um, how's he being a little sneaky here? He's going where? In the Old Testament. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna follow this. See if you can lead us through there, Victor. Go ahead. Deuteronomy 18:15. Uh, okay. Yes, they certainly knew the Jews believed there was going to be a Messiah, right? There was going to be this prophet. And, uh, and then it comes to, and this is an Old Testament picture of it, and we're, we're claiming that Jesus is indeed this one. Right? 
think of many other places in the scripture that talk about the exclusivity of the gospel. Yeah, Mary? Let's get there, okay? Luke, Gospel of Luke. Okay, hold on, hold on a second. Luke, twelve and eight. Okay. Well, we don't have to do that right now because this is a, a place where Jesus is speaking and saying that it, it is only to him. It's not quite as clear, but it is, you know, because we have to deal with angels and everything else. But you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, there are um, uh, other places. I'm just going to talk about them because I want to move on to the next thing that, that shows why um, this is he, Jesus is exclusive. You've talked about a lot of them. Another one is John 5:24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. Um, John 10, verses 1 to 9. You're familiar with this. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheepfold. Right? And he says that there's no other way. You can try climbing around the door and over the fence. And all these other ways, but uh, you must come through the door of the sheepfold, and I am the shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. First um, John chapter 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony God has given us to eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Okay? Now... We've opened the scriptures. We've seen various places, even from the Old Testament and the New, that Jesus, the gospel, the good news of salvation, only comes through Jesus. And what I want you to think about now is why. Why can't it be another way? What is there about Jesus compared to all the other religions of the world? What, you know, why, why must it be through him? There's more theology, there's more doctrine that, that comes out as a result. Starting off saying he's the son of God gives us a little bit of information. But there are a lot of people say, oh, yeah, everybody's a son of God, daughter of God. All right. So but, but, but then you start saying more. He's a set, you know, and what I'm thinking about here in, in, in among us, it's fairly easy because we know the terminology. Right? The people we'll be talking about don't necessarily even get a clue of the terminology. And they're saying, 
he's a sacrifice. You're saying he's a sacrifice, right? Why, why is the sacrifice needed? Well, well, you are, but I'm not. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you know, I'm not really that bad, but I, I can understand how you might be, Kathy. You know, even to get people to, to really understand the, the understanding of sin and what it is, you know, we're, we just talk all this language, you know, that we know, oh, he's a sacrifice. Well, what? You know? I mean, the real question is, and you're, you're getting there, Kathy, and, and I'm trying to have us do two things, talk in our own language, but talk so that we can think about other people who don't even have a clue. Okay. Mike? That's true, absolutely, but we're, we're trying to talk to other people, and we're saying now, why, why can it only be through Christ? And what did he do that you have to believe in him? Let's try those two questions. Why is, it only, why is Christ the only way, and why is that true? Okay, so, Bill? I followed along with that perfectly. But guess what? I know, no, that. I know all the language. Okay. First of all, I believe there's a God. Second of all, I believe that He's holy. Third, I believe that people are sinners and can't have fellowship with God. Right? And so, because there's no fellowship, for me to have fellowship with God, something has to be done. That there's a sacrifice. Right? That the sacrifice must be perfect. Christ is the only perfect one. He doesn't sin. I sin. You know? And so, I just want to be thinking about this the whole time. Is that there's all this language in a culture that doesn't understand that anymore. Right? We still have to get all these same truths. It's the gospel. We have to get to them. But they don't even have a, a memory of the things we're talking about. Right? It used to be just part of our culture. People understood this stuff. It was it was it was in our it was it was I mean if you go back and look at the culture of America, the books that were written, you know, they had Christ figures in them. They had, you know, just all this stuff and, and they understood sin. And now it's even hard to get people to understand what sin is. Because they you know, I mean there are people 
who argue today that that men who want to have relations with little children, it's okay. Right. I mean, we're in such a culture where the things that we just even said before were wrong. People just say, well, that's your opinion. That's what you do. It's not that we don't have to get to the same place, but it takes a lot longer to get there and to a relationship and to sharing people's truth. And all that. Uh, have any of you seen the PBS um, series about America's best idea? It's all about the national parks. You know, um, it's really a, a neat series. Um, uh, and and one of the things that God has graciously done is He has the general witness of Himself within creation. Right. And in Romans 1, we're told that um, God has put within all of us an understanding and a conscience. So that even though we might be doing things, he is gracious at times to bring us up in, in our hearts and say, there's something wrong going on here. We might believe even totally different, but, but he, he still has ways of working. We've still got to get to the gospel in Christ. There's no salvation without it. But thankfully, there, there are these things that prick people's hearts and minds. You can be doing something completely wrong. And, and trying to convince yourself that's right, but you still there's often within God, God has placed our conscience that, that we're still living. Why? Um, I'm going to get us further along. There must. The reason it's only through Christ is that there must be God who is holy looks at us in our lives through our sinful and we must have a perfect substitute in our place. It's called substitutionary atonement. I can't save myself because God demands perfection and I'm a sinner. And the reason that it can only be through Christ that He is the only one who is perfect. And if there is another way if there's another way of salvation except through Jesus, what does that make God? Yeah, the most horrible father in the world. If you can get there by keeping the commandments, 
if you can get there by a belief in some other God or something, then there was no need for the death of Jesus. Right? Why would God kill Jesus if there were, if there were many other paths? He's just this capricious, horrible, bloodthirsty guy. Right? But God says the only way that salvation can happen is through the shedding of a perfect substitute, the shedding of his blood, his death for your yourself. The next step I want to take us first is that there are throughout the scriptures are verses, one and two verses, that have the gospel impacted in them. Alright? Where where you can get the truth that there is only one one Savior and it is Christ who is our substitute. I want, to, I want to be thinking next week to think about a series of verses. There are places in the verses in the scripture where the gospel is in three or four verses. I want to be thinking about that for next week. But there are individual verses that will let us know about the substitutionary nature of Christ. That he is the one who is substituted for us. I'm going to give you the first one because you all know it. Alright? Yeah, Bill got it. Right? One verse, you have the gospel picture. Now, he has a lot more explanation. But go ahead, Bill. John 3.16. Okay. One verse. Right? You get the picture of the gospel that, that Jesus is the only way and that he is the substitute for our sins. God didn't hate the world. He loves the world. It has rebelled against him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, right? The only one who could be in our place because he's holy and we're not. We're sinful and he's not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever works his way, in, you know, whoever believes by faith in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So in one verse, you have, and, and we need to know more than one verse, but, but, you're, but what I'm getting you to see here, here's the gospel of the substitution. Without a substitute, no one can be saved. Okay, that's, that's part of the whole good news. Where you couldn't do it by yourself, God provided, loved you enough to provide all that you need. You don't have it in yourself. So... Almost every time, and I was trying to look at this, and I couldn't look at every verse in the Bible, of course, but all the verses where I see in the Scripture the Gospel impacted into one verse or one and a half verses, you know, because verses, chapters and verses were never there originally. We all, you know, probably know that if we think about it, right? The guy was just writing along, right? And we broke it up into chapters and verses so we could find it and all get there, you know, and uh, find it easy. It wasn't there, so... But often within the scripture, these verses like John 3.16 or part of a verse and here a verse where it, you have the substitutionary nature of Christ and it says God gave because he, he, he didn't need that there. Can you think of any of those? Some of you might be. If not, we'll leave it. Go ahead, Sharon.
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and in that, you know, that's where Paul's saying, that's really my whole message, that Jesus Christ has to be crucified. You have to have this one who substitutes for us. And Paul, who who in First Corinthians, there's a great set of verses next week of a couple of verses, but, but he says, you know, that's it. It's the substitutionary. We cannot save ourselves. Christ must be given for us. That's a good one. Yeah. George. Sure. And, of course, with Isaiah in the Old Testament, you have to talk about looking for uh, a, a Savior. You get to talk about the sacrifices that were in the Old Testament where they were giving sheep. But saying, here, we've all gone astray, but God is his own sheep. He lays his arms. That's, that's a good place in the Old Testament. Yeah, Isaiah 53 is a good chapter, uh, a set of verses to go and look at. You know, of other verses we can think of where the Gospels compacted into, into a verse. They'll always have, I think, the substitutionary nature. Substitution atonement. That's why. Remember, we go back to the exclusivity of the gospel, right? That we're unable to save ourselves. There must be a sacrifice for us. So, if you're going to have the gospel in a verse, that has to be there. That man can't do it on his own, right? place you get that. How many verses is that? Oh, okay. Well, I said you were part of the verses that you did. <laughs> you still fine. You see you have to have to get the gospel in there. What I want to what I want you to see just today is two things. One, there is no other way. The reason the, God, the good news is not only good because it saves, but it's exclusive because there is no other way. And central to the gospel must be that we can't, we can't do it because we're sinners and there has to be a substitute for us. Okay? And if you're not convinced that Christ is the only way, then, then when the other person says, that's your way and I have my way, you're going to go, okay. You're not going to be moved, right? Because you, because you just say, oh, okay, you get there your way. If you don't absolutely and totally believe that Christ is the only way, then your heart won't be moved to say, no. Right? If, if, if there were two doors, um, and the ho- and that you would, if you went into a, someone's house that was on fire, and there were two doors. You know, to get out. And one led uh, to open that door and there was more fire and this was the way of escape. And you were grabbing hold of the person and you said, come on, we've got to go out this door. And they say, ha, that's your way, I'm going to go this way. You know, if it's your child, if it's your brother, your mother, a neighbor, they're going to say, okay, see ya outside, I'm, I'm going this way. See you on the other side. And you're going to grab that person. 
you're going to hold that person. You're going to be willing to slap them across their face and say, that's the wrong way. Come this way. Now, I'm not saying our evangelism is slapping people. Okay, you know, come on. But, but we know there is death on the other side of that door, right? And so we don't say, eh, okay. Now, if they ultimately go that way, you can't, you can't stop them, right? But part of it is we really, in some measure, don't understand or don't really believe it's specific. And that our door always must have a substitute because we can't get out the door ourselves. Because we're choking and coughing and the smoke in the wind and have fainted on the floor and Christ is tracking us out. You know, his door. Okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, Mark. does sound crazy because it's not the thinking of this world. And and we find out in the scriptures that the God of this world has blinded people. So we come out of the womb blind and unable to see, unable to understand it. So it's not just our message. God is working by His Spirit that He'll unblind the right people. You know, His people at the right time. But yeah, it seems like foolishness. Or some other potent mic. You're going to have a. Wait a minute. You you can do this, and this is why people are dying today. Right? They would say, "Mom, Grandma, who was it? Your mother?" But but who are you talking to? Stepmother. 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father through Him. And I believe that Jesus said that He is the only way. And then she can figure out exactly what you're saying. And you might say, yes, you know, that is. And, and you need this. And that's why Christians die all the time. Because they're saying no other way. And, and what the world wants to say, you give that up. And, and we have a temptation. And we don't have to say it in a nasty, horrible way. But, but if that is the truth, you know, you, you say it. And, and you say, my, my, I wish for Dad, you know, that mom, I wish for Dad the very best. But, but God has said in His Word, take it up with God. You know, that's what He said. There is no other way. And, um, you know, I think of, of, boy, this is crap. And it talks about my own heart. Uh, with an aunt I had um, and my father-in-law where I shared the gospel and, and I was unwilling to say, don't you understand? And then you know what? And you know why I wasn't willing to say it? I was afraid about my inheritance. Which was more valuable to me at that time? You know, and that's the reality. I was afraid, or or there would be someone you're a boss, you, you, and, and I'm not talking about going out with your big repent or perish signs and the biggest Bible we can find and smacking people. Of course not. You know, but but if that person had cancer and the only drug that would help them would be drug A, you know, and you knew that, and you would tell that person, listen. Stop taking uh, peanut butter and rat poison. What do the people make, you know, for kids? You know, we pick up all these different cures, you know, right? Hey, it's the only thing it'll save you. It's been proved. Here it is. You know? And you would be willing to offend them to take, hey, you know? I would. Hey, give us take I'd have them willing to be mad at me. But most of it, most of my not sharing comes because I fear men or I fear losing something more. And I'm not talking about any, any, ever any weird, strange gospelizing. You know, just being mean to people and nasty. And I'm talking about loving them and loving God more than I love David Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
there is no salvation ever without God changing hearts and the Holy Spirit. But God has not said to us, you guys meet here every week and really enjoy me and love me. Then come back next week and come and enjoy me and love me. Come back. He said that. But he also said, I'm going to scatter you every week. And I could actually change everybody's heart by the Holy Spirit without you ever saying anything. But the way that people are changed is by sharing the gospel. Romans 1, 16. For the gospel is the power of salvation. And so he uses our foolish presentations, but we have to have the gospel, and the gospel is in these verses. The gospel are help for us. You don't have to have all of them. But if you don't know the gospel truths and the actual thing God says, then you'll never be able to share it. God uses the foolishness of the message preached by us. You know, um, He can change someone's heart and mind, as I believe He does with some mentally retarded people. You know, that can't understand necessarily our understand what we would say to them, but he, He's able to do that. But He says in His Word the general way, the way He changes people is by the proclamation of the gospel, which are these verses. So that's why we know them. It's not that we have little, little uh, magic verses to put out there, but that's the gospel. They're, they're contained in these verses. Having the truth in these verses is where we get to tell people the truth. It can't happen without the Holy Spirit. But God has said, the way I'm going to win people is by you taking these verses. Right? It seems like foolishness to me. If I were God, I would just, you know, start knocking them off, you know. Hey, I want that person. Bam, bam, bam. I wouldn't send Jerry or Mike. Come on. <laughs> you know, but that's what he wants to do. That's the way he purposes to do. George? First of all, I think the scripture you're talking about is in either 1 Peter 2 or 3. It's about giving the reason for the hope that's within you. And we can do that in all the ways. Sometimes it's directly with scripture. But often it is, it is using, or we can use other arguments. You know, um, And I will give us, um, as we go along, I'll be giving us books and stuff where you can find those kinds of things. We can't possibly go into all of them. But I think we have to believe, first of all, one of the reasons come to us is believe um, that Christ is exclusive. That people might say, this is your way and that's my way. But we have to understand that their way leads to death. 
then understand that as the gospel is always talking about the substitutionary nature of Christ. We cannot save ourselves and we must have a savior. So I'm just going to end here because we're out of time, but I'm going to list uh, a bunch of these one uh, verse or verse and a half places where the, where the gospel is in miniature. Um, and, and what often these verses do for me is, is just help give me an outline of where to talk to others. You know, because often our, our, our sharing of a gospel with people isn't in, in long periods of time. Um, it's not that we have hours and hours, but often it's a few minutes. And, and a verse like this gives us the truth and helps us uh, to know it and move on. It gives us an outline in our mind of the truth that we need. So here are some of them. Uh, Matthew 1.21, talking about uh, Mary when Christ is born. She will bear a son. You will name his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So there you have an outline of talking about the gospel, what happened to the birth of Jesus and all the rest. Matthew 20 and 28. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So there you have. Notice in almost all these, that whole substitutionary nature of of the gospel. John 3.16, we went through earlier, so we won't go there again. Romans 8.32. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Um, The scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, Galatians 1, 3 to 5, is just power packed with the gospel. Just so clearly there. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. Live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Second Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there's one God, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for us all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Notice all these we talk about the great exchange that's needed. We, by ourselves, cannot save ourselves. We must have a Savior. First Timothy, uh, excuse me, Titus 2, 13 and 14. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. First Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. See how clear that is there, and you get to talk about all these different things. Christ suffered for us once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that substitutionary nature. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son in the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. So... To be a gospelizer, you have to first believe that the good news, the only way to heaven, is that it's through Jesus Christ. And that while we couldn't save ourselves, he gave through Christ all that was needed for us. We must have a substitute. And so without believing those two things, you don't have a gospel. And you can't even take it. It's so simple. 
Father, I, I, I pray for your work in us of knowing the message, of believing that it indeed is only through the Lord Jesus Christ you've sent. And because we know and believe that and that you have sent a way, we pray for the tenderness and joy in Christ ourselves. That, that the truth of his love and care for us would capture us and that joy is that which we would want to share and tell our neighbors about and our friends and our loved ones. Even, even those we don't uh, get along with well because of the ultimate destiny of their souls. And Father, you have chosen to use us, jars of clay, cracked pots, who don't do things very well, and, our, and it's not our own righteousness that we're pointing out to people and, and sharing with them, but it's the righteousness of Christ our Savior. And you have us believe these things and then speak them in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.